Good morning. So glad everybody's here today. Um, want to go ahead and get started. Um, we want to welcome everybody working, watching on our live stream this morning. We have had just about every technology thing fail us today. So uh, we're, we're improvising today. We're glad you're joining us at home. We're glad that uh, you're joining us here in person today. Uh, I don't like when the announcements take 20 minutes. Um, that's always been a pet peeve for mine, so I'm going to try to get these done in 19. So it's going to require you guys to listen today, okay, as we go through them, because we have a ton of them. First announcement today is that uh, our, today is the deadline for the, the gift, the uh, kids party in a box. Um, that, that is something that we are doing in lieu of our normal kids' Christmas parties. Uh, they're creating this uh, and sending this to Home With You next week. So uh, sign up today online. If you're here, you can see Kelsey before you leave to make sure that you get signed up for that. Uh, today is obviously the last day for the Love Fund Christmas Drive. In fact, I'm not entirely sure, but they may have already started loading up out there. And so uh, make sure that you, if you brought gifts, they're already out there ready to be delivered. We are in need of a couple things for Christmas gift baskets, and it wins the award for the most random two items that you can possibly think of for a need basket, but we need toilet paper and kidney beans. So if you can bring those in next week, it'll be helpful uh, for us, so please, uh, please do that um, for next week. They are going to make those baskets and deliver them next Wednesday. Uh, want to talk about, or we also have on December 20th, we have Baby Dedication Sunday. We obviously missed out on Mother's Day this year being off campus, so we want to make sure that we're doing this now. Uh, the last time we did it, I think, was Mother's Day of 2019. So if, if you have had a child in that time frame, uh, we invite you to participate on the 20th. We're doing it Mother's Day next year, so if you want to wait, you're welcome to wait uh, as well. It'll be whatever service you decide to come to. Uh, we, will, we will do that. So that's going to be the 20th. You just need to let Kelsey know that. We are doing a scavenger hunt as a church. That's going to take place of our normal big church Christmas party. We don't think fitting 135 people in the fellowship hall like we did last year is a great idea in 2020. So we're going to be doing this instead. Uh, we invite you to do it with your family. Sign up. We will send you the app and the link. And what you'll do is you'll have three hours to go find all of these different Christmas lights and take pictures of them. It'll post it. There'll be a leaderboard. Though we're not keeping score because we're Christians, okay? So we're just going to go do that so it's not super competitive and you're, you know, breaking road laws and things like that, getting all of that done. That's what we're going to do instead. So you can sign up. You can do the QR code there on your bulletin. You can sign up. Everything out there is on the Welcome Center as well. Uh, let me tell you about Christmas here at the church. Obviously, it's going to look a little bit different. The first is our Christmas Eve service. Our Christmas Eve service is going to be Thursday the 24th. It's going to be online. What we are going to do is that we are going to create a, a bag or a box for you to take home. And we invite you to do this with your family. If you have been with some other people and hanging out with them over the course of all of this and you feel comfortable maybe getting together, but it's going to be posted online. Now, listen, we know that this is one of the best, uh, you know, favorited services here at the church. This is plan D. 
All right, we had plan A, B, and C, and none of them worked. So this is what we are, are having to do this year. So um, sign up if you're going to participate in that. You'll have a candle in it. Um, it will be a, a battery-powered candle because we don't want to be liable if you burn your house down with the real one. So uh, battery-powered candle, communion, kids' activity pages, all of that's going to be in this for you to take home. So that's going to be on uh, Christmas Eve. What we're doing Christmas weekend on the 27th is obviously going to be different too. Here's, here's how we're going to do things. Um, we're going to have a, our, our normal three services, but we are asking everyone to RSVP. We're capping every service at 60 people. Now, here's the thing. If you know you have family coming in and they're coming to church with you, you need to RSVP them because it would be an awkward conversation for you to say, oh, yeah, I didn't remember you when I RSVP'd for church, okay? So go ahead, see who's coming with you, and here's the way this is going to work. We're going to start with the, our normal three. If those fill up, then we're going to add services, and they're going to be added in this order. The first one we're going to add is a Saturday night service at 7 o'clock. If that one fills up, then we're going to the 27th at 6 o'clock and then work our way backwards, or 6.30, and then work our way backwards by uh, hour and 15-minute increments. So that's what's going on this Christmas. Please, RSVP, please help us out. Our last thing is that we are having a blood drive here at the church on the 29th. If you're interested in donating blood, you get a free T-shirt and you get the covid platelet test uh, for free this year. Um, it's a deal you can't refuse. So you, uh, if you wanted to give blood, that the time on that is wrong. It's 12 to 6. We're also in need of some folks if you are willing to help register people as they come in. Uh, if we get two people, we'll do three-hour shifts. If we get three people, we'll do two-hour shifts. So um, you can help us out with that. That's all the announcements, okay? We don't want to insult your intelligence, um, but we want to let you know what, what's happening here. Uh, if you see in your bulletin, um, and we're sorry, I think we ran out today, but um, we have some prayer requests that are on there. Um, we, we just want to lift up some, some extra ones. Uh, one is Sarah Lenner, who uh, her family comes here to church. Sarah had got diagnosed with COVID, and she's having some extra symptoms, uh, including an enlarged heart and some, some other kind of scary things. She's, she's home from the hospital now, so we just want to lift her up in her prayers and her kids and Jim. Uh, we want to lift up uh, Karen Medley, who's Ralph's sister-in-law. She is, is not doing well uh, at all. And then just a, a special note on, on your prayer request that you have there, Bob Newcomer, um, is going to go in for a new uh, clinical trial. Um, what he has been doing for the last five years uh, has kind of stopped working, and so they're going to um, start something new on Wednesday at Ohio State um, for um, for the the spots that are on on his brain and that are growing. So we want to. It's a, a scary time for them. He's a he's he's really upbeat about it, but we still want to lift all of them up in prayer. So let's pray together, and then we will get started here today. Heavenly Father, it is wonderful to be together in this place. Uh, we know there is so much going on outside of these walls. Um, there, there is sickness, there is um, the loss of jobs, there is anxiety. Um, Father, we, we give all of that to you because we know you are big enough to handle it. 
Uh, we pray here this morning that our worship would be pleasing to you. Uh, we pray that you uh, would be glorified in all that we do. We do lift up to you, Bob, and we lift up to you, um, Sarah, and, and their families. We pray for those who have lost loved ones and those who are, who are definitely who are mourning, um, and especially with the, the Christmas season, Father. We, we just pray that today um, we can come and, and focus on the, the one who never changes, um, the one who is who was and is, is and is to come. Uh, Father, we lift up to you um, all that may be hindering us and distracting us today. We give you the glory now and forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand? We'll begin worship this morning.
school and elementary kids, you are dismissed.
be seated. That was supposed to be cut off. I'm sorry. I don't know. Anyway, if you uh, want to uh, are interested in that trip, uh, Crystal and Russell are up here. Um, Brandon's up here too. But Crystal and Russell's up here, and and they'd love to talk to you about about that um, and um, invite you along with them. So let, let's pray together as we begin our, our time of getting into to God's word. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for loving us and um, giving us your word. And I pray this morning that I would speak uh, just from you and I would speak your truth and your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so uh, didn't Heath and all his crew do a good job decorating our, our platform? That, that's really, uh, really a good job. As you can kind of see, there's gifts all over the place and that's a theme that we're going for. Uh, this this Christmas as we approach the Christmas season. Um, I was thinking this week about growing up and then going back to school after Christmas, and I acknowledge uh, that I didn't have the perspective I needed to have back then um, because this conversation wouldn't have happened because it might be awkward for some of the kids who maybe didn't get a lot for Christmas, but that was the thing that we did. We would, we would come back from Christmas and we would compare gifts, who got what, see whose parent loved their kid more than the other ones and got the better gift for, for everyone. And that's the thing that we are looking at, this idea of a better gift. Um, and to do that, we're going to take a look at a book of a Bible that's really not used a lot at Christmas time. It's, it's used a lot, uh, or usually used like Luke chapter 1 or something from Isaiah, but we're going to take a look at the book of Hebrews. And because there's, there's a theme there that we want to hone in on. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's not a book that anyone wrote their, uh, their name down and said, this is, this is me. Um, but we know who it was written to. At this time, Christians have spread because of persecution. And so they're writing to all of these Christians who have been spread out throughout the area. But they have a common, um, there's something that's in common. And that is, they, they're from Jewish heritage. They were Jews, and then they, they found out about Jesus, and they became Christians. And so the author of Hebrews uses a lot of Old Testament imagery that they would be able to relate to. And the goal of the book of Hebrews, there's really a few. One is to, to encourage perseverance because they're going through a hard time. They're, they're, they're experiencing a lot of difficulties. They're being persecuted. They may have even had family members who have been killed. And so they, they are praying for, or they're, they're, they're pushing them toward in their journey and their race as they deal with this. 
but another one is giving them some clarity on how to view the Old Testament. At this time, these people didn't have anything written from the New Testament. It was all what was passed down from church leaders. That you know, They didn't go to church and say, all right, let's open up the book of John, because there was no book of John. But they still had the scriptures. They still had the Old Testament. But the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. And so the question was, so, so what, what do we do? And what the, the writer of Hebrews does is that he takes the Old Testament and he says, okay, th- let's, this is how we look at it now. Through the lens of Jesus, this is what the Old Testament is. And it's going to go along with um, kind of this imagery that we're going to use at Christmas time. Basically, what the author of Hebrews is going to say is, I about broke all of your hard work there, Heath. Um, what the, the author of Hebrews is saying is that the Old Testament was a good gift. It was a good gift. I mean, let's think about it. Old Testament tells us, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in it. The Old Testament tells us how he created a people, how he had a nation, it tells us about how he delivered those people. It tells us about how, what to look for when it comes to Messiah. It tells us about God's love, that even though they were disobedient, he constantly forgave them. And he gave people an opportunity through a set of pretty complicated uh, procedures on how to make a sacrifice so that they could be, they could be made clean for worship. The Old Testament was a good gift. But what the author of Hebrews gets at is that the Old Testament, though it was a good gift, it's not a complete gift. It's not a complete gift. It's like this. It's putting together a puzzle and getting everything, and it's a beautiful picture. It tells a beautiful story. But at the end of that puzzle, you find more pieces in the box. And so you go back and you realize that even though it looked like it was a completed puzzle, it actually fits within this bigger puzzle. And if you take the Old Testament out of it, you can see that there's a glaring hole in it. But the Old Testament simply adds to the beauty of the overall picture. That's what the author of Hebrews is trying to get across to the people who are hearing this and who are reading this. He wants them to understand the Old Testament was a good gift. Paul says all scripture is God breathed and at that point all he had was this gift. The Old Testament. All, it's a good gift. But it's not complete. What makes it complete is a better gift. And that better gift is Jesus. Jesus is the better gift. What happens at Christmas is that the good gift, the good gift becomes complete because the Messiah comes in the form of a baby and lives a perfect life, dies a sinner's death. He he is the perfect gift. And so what the author of Hebrews is trying to get across to his readers is everything that is here in the Old Testament, it is good. It is good. But Jesus is better. Jesus makes it make sense. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at a few instances where the writer of Hebrews says, hey, remember this. Remember this from your heritage. Remember this from your, your, your upbringing. Remember the The Old Testament, remember that person, that place, that procedure? This is how it points to Jesus. And he does it right off of the bat. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 
1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Right off the bat, he says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets many times and in various ways. So he says, this is how it used to go. Old Testament, good gift. The, the way God spoke to his people were through prophets. Now, biblically speaking, a prophet is anyone who had a message from God for someone or a group of other people. Prophets played a prominent role in the Old Testament. In fact, if you take your Bibles and you open it up to about halfway, you'll find a book called Isaiah. And then if you just flip in your Bibles towards the end, eventually you're going to get to the end of the Old Testament in Malachi. Matthew starts the New Testament. If, I mean, what you have there between your fingers, this is what we call the, the section that has the prophets in it. And we've divided them into major and minor prophets, which is kind of mean to the minor ones. But anyway, the major and minor prophets, and even the minor ones say major things. And so you've got Isaiah and Ezekiel, you've got Daniel, you've got Habakkuk. I included him just because it's fun to say. You have all of these guys in Scripture, and it tells us about their lives, and it tells us about the visions they have and the, the, what they're pointing to. But even before this section, there were still prophets, there were people like Elijah and Elisha. There was Samuel, who was the prophet at the time of David. And then there is who was considered the greatest prophet, and that's Moses. Moses was God's prophet. He was sent to Pharaoh to, with a message from God. Let God's people go so they can worship him. And when Pharaoh refused, he was sent by God with a new message, which is don't mess with God or bad things are going to happen. And then when they were set free, he became the messenger to God's people. He told them what was at the heart of God and what to do, and he led them. And it was through Moses that God sent his law. He sent the law through Moses. And so you look at, you look at things like from, from, uh, from Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. These, these are what God had given Moses to say, okay, this is how this is to work. This is how this is supposed to go. And so if you were a Jew at the time of this writing, and what these people who are hearing the book of Hebrews read out loud to them, what they would understand is, okay, the way that we have operated is this. In the past, they spoke through the prophets. So if I have a question, if I have a question about God, if I have a question about truth, if I have a question about marriage, if I have a question about business or growing crops or anything, I go and see what Moses says. I go and see what the prophets say. And whatever they say, that's what is truth. The prophets were a good gift given so that the people of God could know God and to know God's truth. It's a good gift. God had every right to sit up there with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and swirl everything in the motion and be like, hey, let's see if they can figure it out. Right? He had every right to do that, to be this detached deity that doesn't have, but he intervened throughout our history and he did so in the Old Testament through the prophets. And so the prophets were a good gift. But immediately the author of Hebrews now changes the discussion. He says, this is how it used to be done, but now look, in the last days he has sp spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. 
The prophets were good. They were a good gift, but they're not a complete gift. They spoke amazing, powerful truths, but they were all sinners. They spoke amazing, powerful truths, but they could only speak whatever God had spoken to them. If they did signs and wonders, that they could only do that through what God was doing. They were good, but they weren't complete. Jesus is better. Jesus is complete. Jesus spoke truth because Jesus was truth. He never sinned. What he did, he did on his own power because he is God. Here the author points out he created everything. He made the whole universe. And later on he continues, he says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He, there's a, a phrase that is becoming popular in my home. It's in regards to my oldest, and the phrase goes like this, he is your son. He is your son. And it's never good. It's never good. Like, I'm pretty sure if my oldest son were to help an elderly lady across the road, they'd be like, that's Lindsay's son. But when he gets super competitive and gets mad, that's Jared's son right there. That's Jared. And the truth is, that's how I was. That's okay. That's how I am. And so that's, that's how he, but here's what the author of Hebrews is saying. The son, Jesus, he is the exact representation of God. The fullness of his radiance and glory. He's the exact representation of God. Which means this. Jesus is more than the reason for the season. Jesus is the answer to all of our questions. He's the answer to all of our questions. He is speaking truth. He lived out truth. And look what it says. It says he sustains all things by his powerful word. This is the same imagery that John uses as he opens up his gospel. More of a traditional Christmas look here. John opens up his gospel and he says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In the beginning, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The author of Hebrews says he sustains everything by his powerful word, and then John says he is the word. He is the word. He is truth. The prophets were speaking Jesus when they spoke God's word. And he goes on and he says this, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So truth didn't stay nebulous and it didn't stay coming through the lips of prophets. The word became flesh and dwelled among us because Jesus is the better gift. He's the better gift given so all people could know God and know God's truth. 
He's the answer to every question. What is God like? Look at Jesus. What does God think is important? You look at Jesus, the full and the full radiance of God, the exact representation of God. What does God think about me? You look at Jesus, and he is the answer. Jesus is the truth. And so I think it's helpful for me, and so I hope that it's helpful for you. I think there's a process we go through when we have these questions. When we have questions about, about life and, and, and dealing with interpersonal relationships or about marriage or about whatever it might be, we, we, there's a process we need to take part in. It's kind of a flow chart that, that I use, and I think it's biblical, so I think we should all use it. The first thing we should go to is, okay, if I have a question, the first question I ask is, does Jesus say anything about it? Because he who is truth speaks truth, and so if he says something, it is true. Even if it bumps up against what I wanted him to say, his, his wins out. He's right all the time. And so if Jesus speaks on it, that's the answer. If, if he doesn't speak on it, then the next thing I say is, okay, does Jesus do anything in his life? Does he live out an answer to my question? And how he dealt with people and in the perspective that he had, does that answer my question that I have? If that answer is no, then I turn further towards the back of the Bible and say, okay, do, do any of the New Testament authors say anything about it? Because these are people who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus, who learned under Jesus, who were commissioned by Jesus. And so they would know the heart of Jesus. And so I, I ask the question, okay, does, does Peter or Paul or James or the writer of Hebrews or John, do, do they say anything that answers my question about truth? Then the fourth place I look is the book of Acts. And I say, okay, maybe they didn't say anything in their letters, but through their actions in the book of Acts, do the New Testament writers, do the New Testament characters, do they live out my truth in any way? And then if that answer is a no, I go to the fifth. And my fifth one is this. Okay, so what does the Old Testament say? Does it answer my question? Now, there's some people who would bristle at this and they'd be like, okay, you're saying the Old Testament's not, not relevant, it's, it's last? Well, here's the thing. I didn't say it. The Hebrews writer said they used to speak through, Proverbs, through prophets. Now Jesus is here, and he's, he's the one, we, the truth. I'm not saying this isn't God's word. And my tongue-in-cheek answer for why I don't go to the Old Testament first is this. I like to eat bacon. And if my question is, can I eat bacon? And I go to the Old Testament. It's not a life I want to live. Because it will be alive without bacon. But if I start with Jesus, I see him say that it's not what goes inside of you that defiles you, it's what comes out of you. And then it's further backed up by what Peter experiences before he goes to Cornelius' house in Acts, where God gives him this stuff. He's hungry and, and in this dream, and uh, they're all unclean animals. And, and Peter says, I can't eat that stuff. And God says, do not call something unclean that I made. Right? So I get to eat bacon. That's what we do. We start with truth. This is good. It's God's word. It's God's, God's, God breathes it. The Old Testament is good. But we start with Jesus. Because how many times in Jesus' ministry did he say, you have heard that it was said, something from the good gifts of the Old Testament. But let me clarify it for you. This is what it really means. 
And so Jesus gives us this fuller picture of what truth is. Jesus is the better prophet because he is truth in the flesh. And so when we have an answer, we turn to Jesus. And so we are reminded at Christmas that more than just a king, but truth, the word, was made flesh. He came here, a gift that is freely given by a loving God to this world. And it's a gift that is available each and every day for each and every one of us. Now, here's the thing. The thing is that there's other gifts that are presented to us. My wife spent time uh, wrapping these. Um, This is how I wrap things. In a bag. I was just lucky to find one here at the church that said Merry Christmas on it this morning. Um, and it's, it does have something in it. It's an expired Buffalo Wild Wings gift card that I found in my wallet. So, but here's the thing. The world offers a gift. And if these gifts were up on a, a presentation for you and you got to choose one, the chances are you wouldn't. You wouldn't go for this one because they pale in comparison to the perfect gift, and it pales even in comparison to the good gift. But here's what happens. We allow the world to give us this. Because the world claims that it can give what only Jesus can provide. The world claims that it can give you truth, and so it steps in front of the perfect gift, and it obscures our view, and it says, don't you want this? And as much as we, for sake of this illustration, we say, no, Jared did that one. I don't want that. We, We take this gift. Because here's what the world says. The world says, here's the gift. It's called relative truth. Relative truth means that you can see the world however you want to see it. No one has a right to judge you or your worldviews. And so however you see treating each other, however you see worship, however you see marriage, however you see, that, that's fine. Because relative truth says, as long as it's okay by you, it's okay. And you can believe whatever you want to believe and do whatever you want to do because you get to create your own reality. And the truth is we like that idea. We like control and we like being in control. And so even though we know that there's this perfect gift here, we often sell out for this because we like relative truth. But let's be brutally honest with each other this morning. We are past just relative truth in our society, aren't we? We're in a world where the world gives you and says, you know what? It doesn't even have to be remotely true. We've got a new word for it. It's called unsubstantiated truth. We had an old world word for it. It's called a lie. But unsubstantiated truth is an opportunity for you not only just to create your own truth, but to make sure that it affects other people. So we take this gift every single time we just generalize and make assumptions about a group of people because of their gender, their race, or their age, and we just say, yeah, they're like this. Even though we don't know them and never walk a mile in their shoes. We take this when we just never check whether something's true or not. We just go with it, and we post it, and we say it. And and we don't really care because 
it fits with the way we think things should work and how we think things should go. And even when it's debunked by someone who does know the truth, we say they're the liar. Um, and so we just believe whatever we want to believe because it makes us knowledgeable of something that actually doesn't have any knowledge. And, and we do this and take this gift whenever we gossip. Whenever we take advantage of a post-truth world and we smear someone's name with falsities that, or falsehoods that, that never really happened or kind of happened, but we made it worse. And it sounds utterly ridiculous that we would take this instead of the perfect gift. But we do. We take this. And Jesus tells us how dangerous it is for us to take this. He's in a discussion with a group of people who just absolutely won't believe the truth. Jesus has performed miracle after miracle. He has done teaching after teaching. And yet there is a group of people that is just dead, dead set on being right. And Jesus gets into a conversation with them. And this is what he says. He poses a question, then answers his question. He says, why is my language not clear to you? Do you not understand the words coming out of my mouth? And he answers it. He says, it is because, it is because you are unable to hear what I say. Well, unable to hear. They, they're obviously listening to his words. So why are they unable to hear what he says? He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. Sorry, I lost my place there. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, uh, native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. He says, Here, here's why you can't listen to me. Because you think lies are true. And so when I tell you truth, you think it's a lie. And he says, that comes from the father of lies. The reality is that when we refuse to listen to truth, we will listen to and we will promote the father of lies. Whenever we don't listen to or promote truth, we promote the, the father of lies. And, and listen, I know self-defense mechanisms come up real quick when we read something like this. You're like, oh, come on. That little white lie, I'm promoting Satan himself by just bending the truth a little bit. That thing that I posted, I don't even believe it. I just, you know, just in case. I, you're telling me that, that, that gossip is that. I'm, I mean, it's just harmless, cooler talk. Well, here's the reality. In the perfect gift, there is no shadow of turning. There is no deceit. And there was 100% truth. And in this, there is no truth. And there is no middle ground. And so we either promote the perfect gift of truth that is Jesus, or we promote this fraud of a gift of relative truth or outright lies. And when we are a people who are called to have our yeses be yes and our noes be no, it's very clear which one we are to promote. 
Now, when we say it this way and when we feel this guilty, it becomes really easy for us to say, okay, yeah, of course, that's what we need to do. I don't want this. I want that. Okay, I got it. But here's the thing. The way that Paul describes Satan, I think, is, is really scary. It's not with a dragon with a giant teeth or a pitchfork. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, the reason we pick this is because we don't take the time to make sure something is true. It just looks good to us and we take it. And folks, God did not move heaven and earth to, for the word to become flesh, for us to settle for anything less than his best, which is Jesus. So friends, don't settle for this. I know it's appealing, and the reason it's appealing is because selfishness, uh, that, that lies appeal to our selfishness, but I know it's appealing. I, I know that, that we, we very easily pick this. But we need to be a people who make sure that we take the time to know the truth, that we take the time to know the perfect truth of Jesus, that we choose him every single time. You know, my favorite time, this is my favorite time of the year, and one of the things that I am, that makes it my favorite time of the year is not just my kids and my family and going to see family and all that stuff. This is the one time of the year where every single person you meet has to make a decision on Jesus every single day. Every time they drive past a Christmas light, every single time something happens, they have to make a decision whether Christmas means that it's the Savior's birth, a good teacher's birth, or it's all made up. They have to make that decision. And that opens up a chance for us to have a conversation. And the truth is, you and I have a decision to make here this morning, and that is to either continue to sell out for the cheap imitation of relative truth or unsubstantiated truth, or to strive for this. And friends, this morning, I want to tell you, as many times as we've settled for that cheap bag in our life, the beautiful thing about our God is He has never taken His gift away. It's still there. And it's not wrapped in paper. It's hung on a cross. And it is for every single person. And so this morning, may we make a decision to not settle for anything less than the truth. Anything less than Jesus. May we be a people of truth who always look towards the better gift. You know, before Jesus was speaking to his critics, he was talking to his followers. And in John chapter 8, the end of verse 31 and 32, look at what he says. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Lies will imprison you, and they will shackle you, but truth, Jesus, sets you free. So will you come this morning to be free? Will you there at your seat, there watching online, will you decide today to be, to be free by knowing truth 
by knowing Jesus. Today, we're going to sing a song we call the Decision Song. And it's just for each and every one of us to make a decision, to respond to God's call. And maybe your, your call today is to become a Christian. Your day to, it's to quit selling out for cheap things and come forward and get the real thing that Jesus wants to provide you. Today, I'll be standing up here. I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like. But all of us have a decision to make wherever we are, sitting here or at home. And that is to never settle for anything less than God's best. And he's given you his best through Jesus. Let's be standing and let's respond today as we sing.
today we come to our time of communion. It is a chance for us to take this together um, as, as a family of believers saved by Jesus. It's a reminder for us of what went into us receiving that perfect gift. I can imagine that if you're a parent, you have a list that you are, that's, they're not requests, they're demands probably from your kid on what they expect here in a couple weeks. And you imagine if you had gotten exactly what they got, what they wanted, and you went to the top of a house and they just dropped it and it shattered. Just how miserable you would be, how angry you would be. And it's a reminder to us in this moment of that precious gift that we have been given by Jesus and to not treat it as something that is just mundane or that is ordinary. It is what bridged the chasm between us and God. And so today, may we remember that as we take part in communion, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, we remember this gift given for each and every one of us. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to take a few moments to take it there at your seats, there at home, as we close our service today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder of that great gift that you give us. The cross is your gift. The empty tomb is our invitation to come and see and to go and live. And Father, your spirit is a reminder as it lives inside of us and directs us and guides us that that you are with us. It's a reminder of this great gift that you have given each and every one of us by sending Jesus. Today we are so amazingly thankful for all that you do, but especially for Jesus, the perfect gift. May we never waste the moment that you give us here on this earth. May we take this message everywhere that we go. So, Father, be with us as we remember your sacrifice here in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so grateful that you have joined us today for worship. Um, it's just great to be with everyone. As you leave, make sure if you've got kids that you pick them up um, as, as you go out today. Sometimes we like to forget and just go out, but um, we are, just make sure you get those, those kids and, and hope they had a great time over uh, worshiping and learning in our children's programs today. So I'm going to pray for us as we leave, and then you'll be dismissed. Um, if you go home and you have somebody call you and be like, hey, what happened to the service this morning? Why was it on? Just tell them that it's going to be posted at 5 o'clock tonight on, on YouTube and Facebook. We, we live streamed it, but it was without the, 
without the plugged in audio, so it just sounds, it's probably a little loud and stuff. So if they want to see the more polished version, just tell them they can tune in at five o'clock tonight. So let's pray together and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this Christmas season. May we go be ambassadors of the greatest love that the world has ever seen. May we go and share the gospel. May we go go tell it, uh, go tell it on the mountain what Jesus has done. Uh, Father, we ask for health and we ask for guidance and peace um, and comfort during this time. And Father, may we be, um, be those things for others through you. Thank you for the perfect gift of Jesus. Help us to never settle for anything less, in truth or in anything else. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.